Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Good. Awesome to see you, Randy. Excellent. Great, great to be seen for sure. Uh, everybody, thank you for watching. This is episode number 124 of Tech Sales Insights. Uh, really excited to have Jeff Deppa, the CRO at Gainsight, a company that uh, probably just about everybody knows, knows about unless you've been hiding. And uh, we have a great title topic today, Aligning Customer Success and Sales. So it should be great. Uh, also want to uh, give a shout out to Convertive, who is our uh, sponsor today. Um, I, I think of them, if you go back to the uh, days of kind of ours and service providers, solution providers like you have now, but really helping you with your RevOps tech stack. They don't actually sell anything, but do uh, lots of great advising and services from big companies like MasterCard all the way down to uh, small companies as well. So if you need help with your tech stack, either it's too big and you got to uh, want to cut your uh, costs and get better productivity, they can help. Or if you need, need some help, they, they can also help. And uh, also, as always, brought to you by Sales Community. So for those that are members, uh, thank you so much. If you want to learn more and sell more, uh, Tucker uh, posted the link. So if you want a free membership, you can click on that link to, uh, to get it. And uh, anyway, so by intro, Jeff and I knew each other back uh, probably when I had hair almost like him. So uh, we, uh, we're, we're both at uh, Sun Microsystems together. Uh, we figured out, we think around kind of 07, 09, but certainly knew him to uh, have a great reputation, very focused on sales, very focused on partners. And, um, you know, full disclosure, we probably lost touch and uh, kind of reconnected uh, last year. But I've got a, a couple of great intros and um, give a shout out to uh, CEO uh, Nick Maida. Of course, I'm... Um, you know, prepping last night and I say, geez, I got to get something better for a, uh, for an intro. So I emailed him and he was very responsive and even had some back and forth, just, you know, clar clarifying some things. So your, your CEO says you are super diligent, super diligent and an organized executor, best DIY, which is do it yourself, uh, person you'll ever meet, uh, literally builds everything at home, uh, a, a literal McGuire, loves a glass of milk, uh, so that was, uh, that, that's pretty cool. So what, what have you, uh, have you built some cool stuff at home? Yeah. You, uh, if you walk through this house, probably, you know, 60 to 70% of the furniture is, is hand built by me. Wow. Um, so lo love doing anything, woodworking, anything around the property. Um, so if, if it uses my hands and I get a tangible sense of accomplishment thereafter, it's a good thing. So probably the most recent was my kid's bed. He wanted a loft bed. Uh, so built him uh, a loft bed up for his room. That's actually pretty cool. Even has glow in the dark steps on it. So. Awesome, very cool. And then that's a uh, uh, what a, a rocket behind you that your son did out of Legos. So my my son follows in my footsteps. Loves the engineering. Loves building stuff. That's a Saturn V. Um, and he's you know when I was a kid and played with Legos, I would get a set and I would make it into like three instructions and then just build whatever I want. Yeah, he builds everything to the T to the instructions and does it super fast. So that was probably three four years ago he got that and uh, knocked it out like Christmas Day in about an hour. And then he's like, well, I've got no place to put it because he's all these shelves in his room that are already stacked with all these different yeah. things that he's built. I'm like, that's actually pretty cool. I love the Saturn V, so throw it up top there behind me. So, wow, Very cool. And what's the deal with the glass of milk? So I think everybody laughs. Uh, I do like, if you look at what I drink, yes, I do drink alcohol, but during the day, like early in the day, it's this, it's a Diet Coke. Um, once I get into the afternoon, I switch to water. 
in the evenings I get to milk. I still love skim milk. Like that's, that's kind yeah. of my go-to drink. And we had a, uh, actually had a happy hour, a zoom happy hour in the midst of COVID one time. And I came on and it was mid dinner time. And so I had a glass of milk and everyone's like, why are you drinking milk? And I'm like, <laughs> just like, I like, like a glass of milk with dinner. So now everyone thinks that I don't drink at all. I do love my red wine. Um, but, uh, more often than not, you'll find me with a glass of milk, especially after I'm working outside in the hot day here. I know as gross as that sounds, I love it. So. Awesome. Is there a favorite uh, Oreo cookie or any, anything you like to dip or just straight up? Just give me straight skim milk. Um, I'll get to go on that. Awesome. Great. And then uh, Subar Simeon, who's a, a good friend and a fellow advisory board member, uh, says Jeff is one of those impressive people who not only has a great tracker, track record as a CRO with success in both very large and very small companies and everything in between, but he also manages an active life with wife, two kids, and three dogs, and probably a lot more. And not your normal list of hobbies, including private pilot, woodworking, which you just talked about, and playing the violin. So the, the, the pilot's impressive, but I think the violin's even more impressive. You really play the violin? The, these days, I spend more time on the piano. Um, and yeah. uh, my daughter is the one that's cranking on the violin more these days. But I'm actually you know super excited because... They're, they're doing a little bit of what I did in the past, daughter on the violin, and my son next year actually starts trumpet. Um, so I pulled out my probably 25-year-old trumpet um, out of the closet, and we got that all cleaned up. So he's going to start taking trumpet lessons, which is kind of cool to see. So, Wow. Amazing. Real, real savant there. And uh, you live in Austin, Texas. Uh, cool spot for sure. So you're probably getting inundated with uh, U- UT fans and folks, right? It, there's a lot of burnt orange around here. That's uh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into the questions. So um, after uh, Case Western, uh, what was your first job? So I, I worked actually when I was in grad school uh, and I was a software developer. Uh, and that was uh, a great experience for me, especially given a, you know, a kid at that age. And, and you know, candidly, the comp for developer back in the day was was pretty good uh, on an hourly rate. And I, I definitely enjoyed the tech piece of it. Um, but I got the lower Silicon Valley. And uh, if you want to talk about like my first official corporate job was Sun Professional Services. Um, so Sun picked me up and uh, was was the mover of me from the Midwest out to, to California back in uh, 99, I think, a long time ago. Uh, so it was joining Sun and Sun Professional Services some PS West. And that was a really cool time back in that day, because it was, I mean, think about what we worked on, like eBay, when they did their V3 site re-architecture, PlayStation.com, all the big ERP deployments when people are doing these big, you know, tens of millions of dollar, you know, large backend ERP deployments. So lots, lots of interesting projects that I, that I got my teeth on back in the day at Sun and PS. And in 99 there, that's uh, when, uh, uh, Scott said, put the dot in the dot com, right? His son. There was dot and dot com. There was, uh, you know, the, the, what do you call it? The big freaking web tone switch. Um, and in fact, I still have on, on one of my personal laptops, some old presentations that Greg Papadopoulos did talking about, you know, in the future, the consolidation into three or four primary compute centers and kind of go back and look at those slides from, from presentations that we did. And they were all in open office or star office format. So I had to PDF them to actually keep them portable for a period of time. But, you know, 25 years ago, talking about what today is Amazon, Google, Salesforce, kind of these core kind of compute centers that we all hook up to. So it's, it's pretty cool to see a lot of Sun's, uh, you know, premonitions and where they thought the market was going actually come into fruition. 
Yeah, brilliant. It seemed like Scott was always just just ahead of his ahead ahead of the time, but then eventually, the rest of the world uh, caught up. And then, uh, what about your career briefly uh, after Sun? Yeah, so um, from Sun to Oracle. Uh, so Oracle acquired Sun, obviously, as you know. So stayed with Oracle for about five years. Uh, run a, a couple of different sales organizations or sales teams at Oracle, um, branch out into the startup world, uh, went a little bit in the NoSQL space, worked at Datastax for a period of time. Uh, some of the, the open source players behind uh, Cassandra, and then moved on to Lucidworks as a CRO there for about uh, five years. So Lucidworks is in the search and AI space um, and spent five years there before coming to Gainsight. And I'm coming up on almost three years here at Gainsight. Awesome. So Oracle, you probably did some work with uh, Mitch Breen, uh, yep. Dave Donatelli, those guys. Yep. Yeah. There was uh, def- definitely f- five years. Uh, we had a few as we were integrating, and that was uh, I mean, fascinating experience. Seeing you know, when you look at one of at the time probably world's largest software company and one of the world's largest infrastructure companies coming together, yep. vastly different cultures. Yeah. Um, you know, and so just kind of navigating that and seeing how that, how that happened. Uh, but then even seeing how Oracle grew, I mean, I remember one of my first meetings there where, uh, somebody asked the question, like, right. And there was an internal meeting, like everyone raise your hand. If you were hired by Oracle, <laughs> like maybe 10% of the room raised their hand because the overwhelming majority were folks like us that were hired kind of via acquisition yeah. and then, you know, kind of grew up in that space. But, but yeah, five years there, um, learned a lot, you know, definitely an environment that's super focused on execution. And, you know, you talked a little bit about Sun and Sun absolutely was a visionary. Um, definitely some challenges in terms of monetizing that vision and bringing that to market. Um, but that being said, Oracle was, you know, you know, definitely the opposite. Um, I laugh, I still have my Sun badge and my Oracle badge sitting here uh, on the desk uh, to the side of me. Uh, but learned a lot from both of those cultures, uh, which is cool. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, talked to Donatelli several times, but the you know, model at Sunny basically got to you know sell every month, every quarter. Oracle wakes up with a good chunk of their business every year, kind of already in the bag. So kind of that net new pressure just kind of allows you to have kind of much a longer term view as opposed to okay, what's our revenue, opex, and profitability? You know, what, what's what's Wall Street want? Definitely a nice uh, kind of s- s- smoother way to run run your uh, work life. I will never forget the first quarter at Oracle where there was this realization that after week 10, whatever we sell doesn't necessarily revenue because especially for an integrated system, you've got a big product, you've got a yeah. product, there's all sorts of different RevRec rules and like you're given a forecast and you're like, well, wait a second, why are you counting that deal? I'm like, well, that deal's going to come in in week 12. Um, and oh, yeah. so then we went down the path of blood builds and, you know, committing to build equipment. Right deal was in and then it, yeah. it hit my personal, you know, my personal comp, if that deal failed to go come in. So it was, it was a fun time. Yeah. And week, week 10 is if you're lucky and now it's, you know, it's supply chain, everything else. It's yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Anyway. So uh, very cool. And then how did you get to uh, Gainsight from uh, Lucidworks? You know, it, it was interesting when, uh, you know, it was, it was about five years at Lucidworks and built out and launched the CS function, you know, when I was there. So started and oh. uh, you know, had a CS team and actually bought Gainsight. So I was a Gainsight user back in oh. 2016, 2017, um, you know, and eventually, you know, got, got the call. And I know we all get a, a lot of calls. I don't take many of them, but what was interesting about Gainsight to me is, you know, that first there's three things that I'm interested in and it's, it's people, culture, and technology, and it's in that order. Um, so you mentioned Nick. Nick's a force. I think everyone, especially in the SaaS market, knows Nick, knows the culture that he's driven into Gainsight. But I will tell you, going back to you asked me the question about the first job, professional services. 
um, at Sun Microsystems. I'll never forget there was a rep, actually a sales leader at Sun, that once told me, don't confuse selling and delivery. And I always kind of scratched my head around that because I'm like, look, if you can't deliver it, you're never going to sell to that customer again. Well, you look in 2099, when you were doing a perpetual license deal, it's one and done. And, and yeah, maybe there's some services on the tail end. You can have that sort of philosophy. But as a services guy, like I had the philosophy that you have to go deliver an outcome. You have to go drive an impact for your customer's business. And so that's kind of followed me throughout my career. And when I get the call from Gainside, I'm like, all right, like this is interesting. Like it's, you know, amazing people, great culture. And I'm actually selling a tool that helps my customers deliver outcomes. And I'm totally passionate about outcomes. So boom, it's kind of kismet from that standpoint. Awesome. Very, very cool. And uh, for those uh, watching along, you can, uh, we cannot see you. You can see us or hear us. Uh, so feel free to make any comments or ask any questions. We got Tucker behind the scenes and he'll uh, pull those up. So please feel free here as we're, uh, as we're chatting. So, um, you already said a fair amount about Gainsight, but um, anything else you'd want to tell us about Gainsight? No, I think, you know, to your point, you mentioned it. I mean, Gainsight is the category creator behind customer success platforms. And, you know, we're out there helping our customers grow, grow through their customers, through their community, through their product. Um, we've got a bunch of interesting stuff. So plug next week, we have a Pulse conference up in Moscone. So great to be back in person and we're launching some interesting new things. And I'll let the product team talk about that next week. But when you think about driving a, a personalized experience and ensuring that you've got the right call to actions for your team um, and also leveraging things that, that we're deploying in our Horizon AI to just make your life and your customer's life more efficient. A lot of cool stuff we're going to go see next week. So super excited about that. Awesome. And then Pulse, that just the name of the... It's a Pulse Conference, uh, and it is uh, our 10th anniversary conference. So think about it as, as the big annual community get-together for the customer success community. Awesome. Very cool. And uh, Vincent, thanks for chiming in. He says, such an important topic. Absolutely. And uh, Vincent, feel free to ask any questions. So um, you said a little bit there about AI. So you probably have been leveraging a little bit of AI, but I would imagine next week there's probably a bunch that you're kind of announcing are going to be doing around AI. Yeah, there, um, you know, I will say if, if you're not talking about generative AI right now, which is probably the most overloaded term out there, but the reality is it's super important. It's taking everyone by storm, but you think about how you can leverage that. And just over the last quarter or two, how I think those at the forefront have started to go leverage that tech. I'm on a number of like CRO community, uh, just uh, some community emails, even through different investors and leveraging AI for meeting prep, leveraging AI for, you know, customizing emails and things like that. So a lot of cool ways to go leverage that generative AI. We've got some interesting stuff coming out. And again, I'll let the product team talk about that next week and not, not necessarily preview it, but it's already built on top of, you know, a pretty strong foundation we have in what we call our Horizon AI. Um, and so we've got a number of different features inside of Gainsight. Think about your, your customer health score. You know, how do I actually optimize a health score and understand where I have opportunity for either expansion or risk of, of potential churn? And so we have AI tools that allow you to go optimize that health score, backflow test it, and determine, look, if I tweak this score this way, I'll have a higher confidence interval in terms of what my outcomes are actually going to be as it relates to retention, expansion, um, and cross sell. Awesome. And then with your sales process, uh, what's your ICP? Because I would imagine anybody that has customers, which is everybody, kind of from an industry perspective would be everybody, but then kind of what, what are the kind of executive titles that you're selling to? 
When, when you think about our core ICP, I mean, the center of it truly is, you know, B2B SaaS. Um, but you start to zoom out a little bit, and we've even seen this more recently in, in just the composition of our business, where nearly every legacy company out there, not all, but, but many, are turning themselves into quote-unquote digital-first companies. And I've got a number of different examples of like large agricultural producers that you know sell seeds and fertilizers and things like this, but all of a sudden are capturing all sorts of data around that, <clears throat> excuse me, and selling it back now to ag producers as a subscription service. So if you're recurring, reoccurring revenue, you know, subscription-based revenue, or you're moving digital first and want to ensure that you are driving an outcome and going to retain and expand that customer, Gainsight, you know, customer success platform is something you absolutely have to have, something you absolutely have to dig into. Wow, very cool. And then as you're going into some of those kind of new areas, like you said, the agriculture or others, then are you leveraging kind of a different channel or kind of partnerships to help there? So, um, and, and I, I use the ag as an example of legacy companies with it. Just don't want to get the impression that Gainsight's going into an agricultural business, not yeah. case, but it's a great example of companies outside of our core ICP that, you know, or at least core, you know, B2B SaaS ICP that are kind of moving into the space as they go digital first and create these digital offerings, or they're acquiring companies that have a digital offering and need to maintain that engagement. Uh, in terms of kind of, you know, the core channels for us, we absolutely have a, a fairly large partner ecosystem. Um, and for us, you know, you think about I mean, another one of the overloaded terms, we talked about AI, talk about digital transformation. A lot of the large GSIs are focused on digital transformation, customer experience, and ensuring that you can both retain and then grow your customers. Absolutely critical, so engagement across the GSI standpoint. But also if you, you think about it, and we've talked before about kind of this tech ecosystem, so the integration points between a CRM, a customer success platform, a forecasting platform, a call recording platform, all the different tech, tech stack kind of components that a CRO typically looks at. Um, there's a lot of players that, that we have, you know, technology partnerships, integrations with because there's just a coincidence at the go-to-market motion or, or you know, parallel path from an ICP perspective. Wow. And then what, what are the titles, kind of executive titles? So in that B2B, B2B SaaS, kind of who are the real the, the decision? For players? us, really the top is chief customer officer. Um, so, so CCO is absolutely critical. Um, and CRO now is, is, I would say, almost equally as critical because you look at, and this is one of the, the big questions that people always have, is where does CS report? Does it report to the CEO? Does it report into the CRO? It all right. depends, and it depends on your go-to-market motion and a number of different factors. But the reality is in, in probably half of the instances, I'm meeting with myself as you know the person that's owning the budget strings that, that CS is either rolling into, or in many instances, like at Gainsight, for example, my CCO peer, Kelly Capote, she reports into Nick, our, our CEO. So I don't have a CS organization, but I do have our CAM organization. And that's the organization that's responsible for actually executing and prosecuting all our renewals and driving expansion and cross-sell. So there's a lot of different models that you have out there. Um, so CRO is important to well. 